This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Another big night of Stanley Cup playoff action. Islanders and Hurricanes, Panthers and Bruins, Kings and Oilers. That's a 10 o'clock start Eastern on CBC and Sportsnet. And at 9.30 on Sportsnet 360, you can watch Game 2, the Minnesota Wild facing off against the Dallas Stars. Uh, Mike Crusoe covers the Wild, has done so for a number of years for The Athletic, and he joins me now. Mike, how are you, pal? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, good. There's a lot that I want to get to here, and I want to start in perhaps an unlikely place. No, I'm not going to start with the Matt Dumba situation and the the uh, the ultra violence between these two squads who are looking for green supremacy. I want to talk about Brock Faber and that play that Brock Faber made on Mason Marchment to keep that double OT alive. Um, you know, before uh, but before before that final goal. Uh, by Ryan Hartman to, to salt it away in double OT. Faber's really impressed me. I think he's impressed a lot of people as well. And for those that haven't had a chance to watch Brock Faber, it's been a very brief NHL career after all. Um, that play was, you know, one of the best plays we've seen in the playoffs so far. Uh, but what else do you think we should know about Brock Faber? I'm just ultra competitive. I mean, this is somebody that obviously has been uh, highly touted for a long time, had a fabulous career at the University of Minnesota. And I think what's so impressive about this, Jeff, is this guy had a heartbreaking loss where he didn't even get on the ice yeah. for overtime. It ended so quickly there in Tampa. And 24 hours later, you know, not even 24 hours later, 12 hours later, he's basically signed by the Wild and is on a plane in Chicago um, to make his NHL debut without even a practice. And he had an unbelievable uh, NHL debut where he blocked six shots and was just so poised in every situation to the point that they said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to put him in Nashville again. And in a game that was tough for the Wild, he was by far the best defenseman. And this is somebody that the Wild never promised even to get a regular season game. And all of a sudden, he impressed so much in those first two games. They're like, wait, hmm, we can maybe put him in the playoffs. And for him to go in a Stanley Cup playoff game and look that strong and be unbelievably good uh, Dallas Stars team, I think says everything about him. Highly competitive, bigger than he looks. Um, you know, somebody that they think could develop uh, offensive skills as well. But this is somebody that they envision. Uh, unfortunately, while Matt Dumba probably doesn't play here past uh, this postseason, uh, they envision him to be Jonas Bardeen's partner for a long, long time. Always good to have right-hand shot options on the blue line. Um, Faber's been outstanding. Honestly, like when, when Mason Marchment had the puck on his stick in overtime, looking yeah. at the yawning cage, you're thinking this thing's over, right? Absolutely. I mean, it was unreal. And I had a similar uh, feeling in the first overtime uh, when Dadanoff had the puck on his stick in a similar spot and John Merrill on replay uh, is the one that stopped it. But it was just a great reaction by Brock Faber. And the one thing about Brock that I loved after the game is just, again, how humble he was about the play. He's like, well, I messed up. Uh, he goes, that was my guy. I gave him too much space and I had to recover. And so, um, you know, I wish I didn't do that first and I wouldn't have taken that unbelievable play. But that's just a humble rookie that just uh, feels it's, you know, you just I can't tell you how many times already that we've interviewed him where he just looks around the locker room. And he's like, I can't even believe I'm here. <laughs> you know, it's just like one thing, Jeff, like it, so the Wild have played uh, two playoff games. Uh, since 2016 against the Dallas Stars. The last two he was at the game at. One is a 13-year-old fan in game six in 2016 and the other on the ice the other night. It's pretty amazing. 
It's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm a sucker for stories like that all the time. I'm also a sucker for the stories of the emerging goaltender. And all season long, Philip Gustafson has been a story for the for the Minnesota Wild. Although there's a you know future Hall of Famer that he's uh, he's back and forth with, and Mark Andre Fleury. Uh, and and once again, like I'm always impressed with you know the guy goes in first game in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and he had ice water running through his veins, like zero panic. He was chill. Amazing performance. Um, you know, that's probably something that Ottawa would like a redo on. Uh, but there's a redo's <laughs> in hockey. Your thoughts on uh, on Philip Gustafson in game one? Yeah, biggest surprise uh, by far this season on the Wild. I mean, even the Wild will say that they never expected this. And uh, I can tell you the Ottawa Senators never expected this. And when they made that trade for Talbot, I mean, you know, Talbot, look, he, he had a really good end of his season here. Unfortunately, he didn't get to play in the playoffs, but he had a 15-game point streak down the stretch. But they acquired Marc-Andre Fleury because Talbot had such a, you know, poor year last year, and they didn't trust Gakkanen at all. And, um, you know, then, uh, you know, you, you get the word that they're trading for Gustafson, and you start immediately when you don't know about a goalie very well. The only thing I remembered about him was the Wild lighting him up in, in a game in St. Paul last season. And Caprice has scored in the overtime winner. You start making calls, you start texting scouts, and not a lot of glowing reports about his future. And he made it very clear that he figured, all right, this is good. I'll get one more year in Minnesota. I'll try to, you know, you know, gain some traction that I could stay here. But otherwise, I'll just go back to Sweden next year and have a great rest of my career. And now he's looking at probably a long, you know, a, a decent term, um, lucrative contract. And since November 19th, he is right there with Linus Arlmark in every single statistical category. Second in goals against, second in save percentage. He was great down the stretch. And, you know, like you would expect, Jeff, uh, Marc-Andre Fleury has handled this like an absolute mature pro. Um, he just wants to win. He's yeah. rooting the kid on. And um, it's been really cool to see. And, you know, I think that we'll still see Marc-Andre Fleury. I think if the Wild go where they want to go this postseason, that we are going to, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's going to be a part of it. Um, but right now, this is Gus's net. And I wonder how much of this is, you know, you mentioned, you know, not a lot to go on before he got there. Uh, one last final final point here on Gustafson. How much of that is Freddie Shabbat, the goaltending coach? Yeah. Well, he says it all the time, how good Freddie Shabbat has been to him. And there's just, you know, you've gotten to know Freddie. I mean, he there's a calmness to him. Like, you know, obviously he coaches these guys. But oh, yeah. uh, before the game the other night, he was at center ice, and Gustafson was on one knee, and Freddie was on the other knee, and they were just having a really cool, casual conversation. And it was just cool to watch of Freddie just, calming this guy down, assuring him that he is built for this moment to play his first ever NHL game and then for him in the playoffs and then for him to get 51 saves, a franchise record in the first game and go toe-to-toe with Jake Ottinger, who's just fabulous. Um, it says everything about the kid. Uh, okay, a couple more things here. I, I look at that game one and I say, that's a Dean Evason game. Like there was skill, mm-hmm. sure, a lot of grinding, a lot of physicality, a lot of rough stuff. Like kind of, if you, if you watch, you know, and you did, uh, Dean Evason play hockey, like is that not a yeah. Dean Evason style? Like there's a couple of games where you say, you know what? Yeah. Like I looked at that Winnipeg game last night against against the uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, and I said, you know, as a coach, like that's a that's a Rick bonus game. You know, suppressing shots, only 17 against Winnipeg. Like that is a a Rick bonus game. And I looked at Game One, Dallas and Minnesota. I said that is a Dean Evason game. Did it did it feel that way to you, Mike? 
Yes. I mean, just to your point, yesterday we were talking to him about Matt Dumba and the situation and how he's going to handle this because he's obviously going to be hunted the rest of the series. And basically, Dean said, bring it on. I hope they do. You know, and then the other thing we asked about is, you know, is is the fact that they are going to now be get an unbelievable push from the Dallas Stars. And he, he looks at us and goes, we don't get pushed around. You know, I mean, that is what that's the style of hockey that both Bill Guerin and Dean Everson want. It's the style of players they've put in their lineup. They're a big, hard, um, physical team. Um, they get a ton of big time heavy hits from guys like Ryan Reeves and Marcus Foligno. But it's up and down their lineup. It's it's everybody. Um, and this is an undersized team. They're not the biggest forwards. They have a very undersized back end, um, other than Jake Middleton and maybe John Merrill. But uh, they they are a team that still plays bigger than maybe their their stature, and um, that is absolutely the way that Dean coaches. You think this is going to be Cowboy time again today? Like that first game was wild. That was so much yeah. fun. It was, you know, new school skill and old school violence, like the whole deal. It was yeah. it was just a delight to watch, whether you're a fan of the Wild, the Stars, or just want to watch a good hockey game. Do you expect the same, or do you think the uh, the referees will get the Fox 40s out of the rappers? Yeah, it'll be interesting because I know that Don Van Massenhoven is going to just, you know, meeting with the both coaches this morning, and you know how that gamesmanship goes. The Wild are going to show Don all these cross checks against Ryan Suter, the uh, Ryan Suter against Kaprizov the other night. There's plenty yeah. that the uh, Dallas Stars can gripe about. I mean, the Wild got away with a lot of a lot of non calls the other night, um, but this will be a hard game. I think Dallas is going to probably come out and try to send a message to Dumba and to the Wild, but they got to split the series, series, you know, especially without Pavelski now. They've got to figure out a way to score a five-on-five goal against a team that was, uh, you know, is a really good defensive team. A team that bat- they defend too much the Wild, but they battle. And the other night was a perfect example of that. And so I think that, that Dallas is going to come out, try to even series, but man, if the Wild get uh, a lead, uh, this this thing could go off the rails and become physical because the Dallas Stars are not happy with them. Um, you know, even though by league standards, the check by Matt Dumble was legal the other night. Um, you know, obviously, you know, when you see a, a guy like Joe Pavelski laying on the ice and now out of this series, at least temporarily, he's in concussion protocol, Pete DeBoer announced this morning. Um, you know, it's, 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 it, it's a glum feeling inside that locker room, and I'm sure they're going to want to go out there and uh, try to extend this series as much as they can to get Pavelski back in their lineup. How did you um, how did you see that hit? I've been talking a lot about this over the last you know forty eight yeah. hours, and I'm I'm of the mind that players aren't used to getting hit there that low underneath the red line. I know he's being shaded by yeah. Brodeen, I believe it was, and and Dumba yeah. grabs. I think it was Hartman Dumba catches him. Yeah. I mean, uh, was it Hartman? Okay, so it's it's, it's Hartman. I think, and, you know, I think I, it was, I but, you, but you could be right. Um, I, I just kind of look at it, Mike, and I say, like, forwards aren't used to getting hit. Like, there are some areas where you're expecting to get hit, and you brace for it. And that might have just been one of those situations where Pavelski says, okay, I'm low enough here under the red line. I'm not going to get hit. I'm cool. And then in comes Matt Dumba. Now, maybe you make yeah. the argument that, you know, Dumba put himself out of position. If the puck squirts yep. out front, it's a goal-scoring chance, and we're having a different conversation. But whether it's a convo around Minnesota or just, you know, your thoughts on what happened, how did you see the whole sequence? Yeah, I think it's a big thing in our game now is that, like, you know, I think that, hit, you know, even though Gary Bettman loves to say that hitting is up, the reality is is that open ice hits are not up. And Matt Dumba is the one that does make a routine of lining guys up. In fact, this has been I've never seen him do it as much as this year. There's been like ten of them and there's been 
some unbelievable close calls lately. Like Evgeny Kuznetsov, I thought that was absolutely clean. Um, but the one against Drew O'Connor was very borderline, and he, he escaped any penalty there. And this one was a legal check under the NHL's um, guidance. Uh, they, they called it shoulder to shoulder. They have a .6 second window that a guy can give up the puck and still be yep. fair game, and that was within the window. Um, and I do agree with you. I think that, that guys, there's such little open ice hitting in the game today that guys just put their guard down at times. And it, when Matt Dumba is on the ice, and I guarantee you Pete DeBoer is telling the, the, the uh, stars that today, you always got to keep your guard up. Because if you, he is the only guy in the league that I have seen on a routine basis, but usually it's at the defensive blue line or at you know the offensive blue line that will absolutely step into you and light you up. And this is an undersized guy, by the way. There is not—I mean, the guy's got nobody. Yeah, he, is. Yeah. he is. He is not a big guy, um, and and yet he just clobbers you. Um, he tried it in Nashville last year and wound up in the hospital with a punctured lung, um, and and, a, and, a, and played basically hurt in the playoffs. So. Um, you got to keep your, you know, um, and he, but he, he times it perfectly and he really genuinely, um, usually never gets the head and, um, he's made an art to it. And, uh, you know, I know the Dallas stars fans understandably and Dallas stars players and their coaching staff are obviously, um, dismayed by what happened here with Pazalski, but the league felt it was clean, but now, uh, Matt Dumba knows he's going to have to keep his head on a swivel the rest of the series. You know, if I'm Minnesota, I'm saying let Dallas chase our guys around the ice. Yeah, that's, that's exactly what Dean said. You want to chase Dumba around the ice? Like, yeah, go go for it. You want to try to get in? You know, uh, yep. Suter wants to you know chase down Kaprizov some more and cross checks <laughs> in the in the lower back. Yeah, that's that's fine. Go for it. Let them get let them get distracted. Nonetheless. Game one was great. <laughs> like just as a fan, yeah, like, no, no, no horse in this one. No, no dog in the fight. Let's let's bring on game two. Very excited about this one. Uh, Mike, great work as always. Thanks for the insight. Always appreciate your time. You be well and enjoy game two of you know what's looking like maybe the most intriguing series so far in these playoffs, Minnesota Thanks. and Dallas. Thanks, bud. You be well. Yep. yep, you too, Jeff. Thanks. Mike Russo from the Athletic covering the Minnesota Wild, and yeah, that game was nasty. Even if you didn't watch the game, uh, I'm sure you watched the highlights. And you know, really unfortunate that uh, Pavelski is um, in protocol and unavailable. Uh, it really does underscore a couple of things here: never let your guard down. Assume you can be hit anywhere, even if you're a forward and you're deep behind the goal line. Um, this one should be another good one. Like the Minnesota Wild, you've heard me say this. If you've listened to this program or watched this program for any length of time, and now we're almost through two full seasons of doing this show, um, you've heard me talk about the Minnesota Wild before plenty, and you've heard me talk about you know the nature of uh, the nature of physicality uh, that the Minnesota Wild employ. Like they they are in a lot of ways the envy of a lot of teams. I think a lot of other managers look at the Minnesota Wild and as much as they don't envy the salary cap hell that they're in, um, I think they really do appreciate the style of play and the players that populate the roster. And I can't help, you've heard me make this uh, comparison before, the Philadelphia Flyers. Like if, if we just took all those Minnesota Wild jerseys and painted them orange and black... Is that not kind of what the Philadelphia Flyers want? Like, whenever you hear John Tortorella talk about his team, just close your eyes and think to yourself, okay, which team in the NHL kind of plays that style that John Tortorella, Daniel Briere, and everybody keep talking about in Philly? It's Minnesota. 
And as much as GMs don't envy their cap situation, and they're in hell, folks, make no mistake about it, tough choices coming up. It's tough not to love the style of play. Skilled and tough. I am neither. And neither is Greg Wyshynski. We're getting together next as the Merrick Show continues. Hour 2 is on the horizon. Big opinions and in-depth conversations covering the Leafs, Jays, Raptors, and the NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Okay, before we get to things we missed here with uh, Matt Marchese, a couple of things coming in, uh, a couple of DMs. One from... Uh, Theo at Johnny Canucks 71 just a conversation that I had with Greg Wyshynski about um, hate watching I suppose um, being a Canucks fan watching the Leafs fail is my Stanley Cup ooh there's a strong one from uh, from Theo there and also uh, from Mike Featherstone uh, watching the Rangers curse lift was awesome I love that too, um, but I just don't know that the same level of nastiness exists for the Rangers as it does for the Maple Leafs. But uh, to Mike's other point, watching the Rangers curse lift was awesome, and I hate watch Boston. I did a quick check of where Mike is from. I thought maybe Vancouver. There's some good, healthy hate there between Vancouver and Boston. Nope. He's from Winnipeg. So the hatred for the Boston Bruins knows no provincial boundaries. Uh, what's up, Matt Marchese? How are you today, Jeff? I'm good, man. Let's turn you up so I can hear you properly here. What's up, buddy? I'm good. You got me now? How, how are we sounding? We okay? Gotcha. Gotcha. There we go. Gotcha. Oh, by the way, here's another one that just came in. I'm sorry. Jump all over you. DM from Jason Bruff over at 650. Um, boys, enjoyed your convo on the lack of, quote, hate watching in the NHL. Uh, you guys were bang on. I hesitate to bring it back to an irrelevant team like Vancouver, but the ratings for the Bruins Canucks in both countries showed the value of hate watching. What was the last Stanley Cup final where more people were actively rooting against the team versus for it? That's a great point by Jason. That's a really, really good point. Anyhow, Maddie, we'll try this again. Mm-hmm. Hi, Maddie. <laughs> Hello, Jeff. There's, I, there should be hate watching. We need hate in hockey. We've talked about this a hundred times. Yeah, man. Give me more hate watch. Give me more hate watch. It's okay. Embrace it. Love it. Enjoy it. Everyone does it. Who do you hate watch? Um, I don't really hate watch anyone. Uh, I just would rather not watch certain teams because they just don't employ a very entertaining style of hockey. Uh, so I, I don't hate watch. Yeah. I just don't watch. How about that? Although in this job, you can't really not oh, watch. Okay. But if I have my choice where, you know, I've got six games on, um, I'm not watching too many New York Islander games. I'm not going to lie because they're not super exciting. Uh, but I will watch tonight. Mm. Um, and uh, like yeah. teams that teams that I will go out of my way to watch, like I go out of my way to watch Minnesota. Um, I go out of my way yeah. to watch. Um, I mean, Tampa, you go out of your way to watch like teams like that, that have, I, I always go back to teams that have an an edge and those are the teams that I like to watch. Nice. Understandable. Uh, what did we miss in the couple of moments we have left here in the program today? 
Well, we have a lot of notes that have kind of just popped up over the last few minutes, so I'll kind of run down these sort of quickly. Uh, In the L.A.-Edmonton series, it looks like Gabe Velarde could return tonight for L.A. It also looks like... Yeah, it also looks like Matthias Janmark is done for the series for Edmonton. Ugh, that uh, that sucks. He had a really nice season. Janmark did. He did. I'm, I'm really happy for that guy. Uh, you want some Tampa news and notes? Because there's a lot of them. Shoot them out, man. Whatever you got, splash it out All there. Right. You got to get uh, everybody, including myself, set for tonight. All right, Victor Hedman is a possibility for tomorrow, according to John Cooper, but Eric Chernak is out. Uh, Hedman, Chernak, uh, Asimont, ah. and Cole did not practice today. Um, also, uh, I don't. I try. I, I I try not to read too much in the didn't practice sure. today because who knows what it might be. I mean, you know what it's like this time of year. But um, that's tough about Chernak. Uh, you crossed your fingers for Hedman. I'll tell you, that's a whole lot of, like, all of a sudden, a whole lot of Nick Purbix. If, yep. you know, Hedman is out and Chernak is out. Well, first of all, it's a lot of Sergachev, but it's a whole lot of Purbix as well and Radish, et cetera. And you can do that for a game. I just don't know that you can do that if the series goes long. Anyhow, thanks for that. Nope. what uh, else you got? Uh, Tanner Janot took line rushes today with Belmar and Perry. Uh, Pat Maroon skated with Colton yeah. and Paul. So it looks like we're getting closer to Tanner Janot's return. Um, and in net for mm-hmm. Toronto, uh, doesn't look like there's any change. It looks like Ilya Samsonov is going to smart start, which is not really too much of a surprise. Um, but I agree with you that yeah. I do think that that leash is real short after game one. If you're... Um... What do we say? If you're if you're if you're Joseph Wall, yeah, make sure you're in push up position, as your old gym coach used to say. All right, everybody, get in push up position. If I'm if I'm Joseph Wall, I'm 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 getting ready. Like I'm I'm of the mind that tomorrow there's a there's a ch- maybe better to good chance that I'm going in because I, I I do think it'll be short leash, or at least yeah. it should be. Um, uh, as you tweeted earlier, Andy Ronda starts for the Hurricanes tonight. That is also. Not really a surprise. Yep. Um, according to Stars head coach Pete DeBoer, Joe Pavelski is, in fact, in NHL's concussion protocol. He did go to the arena today. Uh, yeah. not, not playing tonight, as we know. But as Pete DeBoer says, uh, Pavelski is getting better every day. That is still a tough one, regardless of which side of the fence you're on. Because Joe Pavelski is what? one of those guys that you like to watch play. Okay, spot quiz. Um, yes. Who's been the best line? Now, I know you're going to get some argument last season from the Calgary group, and rightfully so. Uh, Blidholm, Gaudreau, and Kachuk. But the last two seasons, who's been consistently the best line in the NHL? Well, it's no question. It's Rupe Hintz, it's Jason Robertson, and it's Joe Pavelski. That is such a huge injury yeah. for, for so many reasons. One... Uh, a lot of goals in the playoffs are scored off rebounds and tips, and that's where Joe Pavelski dines out. Like, Pavelski's never been one of those wingers that, like, blazes down the boards and, you know, rips like a Rick Five Howardser over the goaltender's shoulder. Not that anybody does that, but um, anymore, anyhow, seldom. Uh, but Pavelski always dines out in front. Like, that's where he makes his money. That's where he's earned all of his points. That one really kills you because he scores goals that you see in the playoffs. You know what I mean, Maddie? Like, he's he's that kind of guy. Yep. And it messes with the top line in hockey. Like, the effects of that one, the effects of that Matt Dumba hit, and we'll see what happens tonight in game two, I think are far-reaching because it doesn't just affect Pavelski. 
it affects the whole team and specifically Rupe Hens and Jason Robertson. Um, that's one of four games you can watch this evening uh, as the Stanley Cup playoffs continue. Islanders Hurricanes, Bruins Panthers, Wild Stars, and the Kings and the Oilers. Thanks to all of our guests today. Greg Wyshynski, uh, Mike Russo, and Elliot Friedman. Thank you to Matt Marchese, Lance Kennedy, and Jen Rolnick. Uh, we're back in 22 hours. Enjoy the games tonight. It's been awesome. No reason to believe that's going to stop anytime soon. Talk to you tomorrow.